Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast and the video cast today. This is my first one, and I have the blessing of being with Coach Jim Johnson. Do you go by Jim or James, or do you just go by Coach? Uh, Jim is, is my prefer as far as between Jim and James, but I okay. also, a lot of people obviously call me Coach, so I, 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 you know, I think it's an honor to be able to be called coach so I don't, uh, coach or Jim either one is good. yeah I love it and you know I, I'd say besides the father the title of father I think coach is probably the best thing you call someone yeah, right yeah, yeah that's a great point I agree well coach I, I'm grateful to have you with me again um after a little technical difficulty yesterday you, you you're such a you're such a good man and you just I can tell you want what's best for others and and I'm really thrilled to talk to you today um just to give my listeners a little background um Coach Johnson and I connected over Instagram a few years ago, and I and I just I've been following him. I've been I've been watching his posts, uh, really kind of what he's doing with um, his leadership um, uh, principles, things like that of that nature, and and just helping people to really believe and go after their dreams. That's that's really a, a strong thing that I've noticed. Um, one of the things that will connect you to him, for those of you that are old enough, uh, like me, just hit 40 earlier this year, coach. Um, I, back in, I think it was 2004. Am I Six. right? Six. Thank you. Um, ESPN all of a sudden came out and they had this big, you know, this big uh, highlight feature um, on J-Mac. And J-Mac is a young man, very young then, uh, a senior in high school, who on senior day, coach, um, he, this, this J-Mac had, had been with the team for a long time and, and just, you know, did everything for the team to, to stay with it and, and was kind of the hype man on the bench and just cheering everybody on. And, and he had, he's autistic. And here comes senior day and coach gets him in the game. And with a few minutes left, J-Mac is, is like on fire. Like he hits six three-pointers in like a four-minute period. And if you watch the clip, and in fact, when I post this on social media, Coach, if it's all right with you, I'll post the clip for ESPN that they Absolutely. did. And you can see the team and the crowd and everybody just going bonkers. Like it was so fun to see. And here's this young man that has autism. And you know, what a what an inspiring story. I, you know, I, we have a lot of those and, and, and maybe we'll talk about some of those. Maybe we won't, but you know, I, I've always, I've always loved that story and I, and I remember it clear as day, you know, here years later and, and I'm here in Utah and you, there you are in New York and 
And um, what was so cool is when I started following you, all of a sudden I realized, holy cow, this guy was the guy that coached J-Mac. You're the one that put him in. You had the faith in him and, and also the grace to do that, right? And, and to give the kid a chance to go in and just play in a game. And, and I'm sure that you didn't expect, holy cow, six three-pointers raining from left and right. And I think his first shot you said was an air ball, right? But, but I mean, it, that doesn't matter. Like it, it made, and and what a what a treasure and what a treat it is uh, to connect with you because there's there's so much um, to uncover there you know like the events that led up to that and I know you'll talk about that with us today but but also coach I know that in your past um, there it wasn't always just smooth sailing for you mm-hmm. and and so it's kind of fun to hear how you got to where you are today where you live a life of service really trying to uplift and inspire other people so coach tell us about yourself and take it away. Sounds great. Uh, Mike, first, it's honored to uh, be on your podcast. I, I've had an opportunity to listen to four or five of your podcasts, and I've really enjoyed uh, uh, all of them, and uh, they've been quite powerful. So I'm glad I could take this journey with you today. And uh, so I'm going to take you back, and, and certainly we'll get to the J-Max story, because it's, uh, it's certainly something that's touched my heart for a long, long time. And uh, but before I do that, let, let's take it back. And I know your podcast, uh, and, and I'd like to share some things that, you know, I've been on a lot of podcasts, but I, I'm going to open up to you a, a little bit different than I have in, in many of my podcasts. So I'm going to you know, open my vault a little bit of my own personal life. I love it. The so, vulnerability uh, vault. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's good. So, uh, I, to go through, you know, I, I had a good childhood. I was the oldest of six. My mom and dad were both educators. And in fact, I got a dream came true that I got a chance to play high school basketball for my dad. He was my high school basketball coach and I played for him for three years and went through some different, uh, you know, as a sophomore, I was, you know, a decent player. Um, The junior, I was okay. And then my senior, I really kind of blossomed and I was kind of the star. So I, and then, uh, so I had a pretty good high school career. Uh, You know, I played three sports and, uh, uh, actually, was part of a state championship in cross country. How cool! Uh, and uh, I also ran track and uh, played basketball. But basketball is my love. And where so was then, your? Uh, where you was know, your, looking, real quick, uh, coach? Where was your shot? Like, where was your spot on the floor? I didn't. Well, you know, I, I I hate to say this, Michael, because of my age, but you know, we didn't have the three point shot in my my day. So uh, that that was only the only three point shot back in my day was uh, in the NBA. You know, not even college had it. Uh, and so the, uh, you know, so I was a more of a perimeter shooter. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I kind of liked that 18, 20 footer, All but, right. you know, so, and, uh, I was a pretty good shooter and, you know, I, I scored quite a few points my senior year, um, but cool. I was also the point guard. So I was also led the team in assists. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of that combo guard, I guess you'd say. How cool. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, I, I had a pretty good high school career and, uh, thought, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had a dream, like I guess a lot of kids that I was going to play in the NBA. Well, uh, I got to college and uh, I actually um, went to a college in Pennsylvania and made the JV team, which was a little humbling because I thought I could make the varsity, but I didn't. And, but I got homesick. And so I decided after one semester to go to a uh, state university school about two hours from my home, which I had actually a lot of friends at, you know, some in high school and others that I just knew in the Rochester area. And I got there and I actually uh, uh, was at practice with the varsity team there, but I wasn't actually on the team because I transferred in. Uh, But then I unfortunately got into some partying and uh, and, um, I 
I was not really a big partier in high school or even my first semester. In fact, tell you how naive I was. Uh, the school in Pennsylvania, they had a drinking age of 21. Well, back in those days, 18 was a drinking age in, in New York. Yeah. So I, I had no clue. You talk about being naive. I didn't even know that there were different ages. Or, you, you sound or, like uh, some of us Utahns out here, coach. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, so I got into um, drinking. I didn't do really a whole lot of drugs, but I did do a lot of drinking. And I got into partying a lot, which sure. really uh, affected me academically and affected me uh, in, in from a basketball perspective. And so after my freshman year, I came back um, to uh, college at SUNY Corland my second year. And I, I actually had prepared pretty good, and I thought I was ready to make the varsity team. And and they had uh, – it was kind of a unique situation because you wouldn't see it very much anymore. We actually had 120 guys try out for the team. Oh, no it, kidding. It was crazy. Wow. And so I kept, you know, making the cuts, and I never thought in my wildest dreams that I could possibly get cut. I got down to the final 18 guys, and then the head coach came up to me and says, Coach, we're going to have to – or not coach, it was Jim <laughs> back then. Uh, we're going to have to let you go. And it was just it broke my heart. I mean, basketball was such a big part of my life. And unfortunately, then the party became the real attraction. And I uh, really had a tough sophomore year. I was fortunate that the school didn't ask me to leave because I was uh, not doing a lot of, I just got in a very bleak part of my life and where I was just partying all the time. Uh, I guess the only positive is I knew all all the specials down at the Down Parm Bars. (laughs) (laughs) You had those memorized. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, So after my sophomore year, uh, my junior year, uh, I came back and I actually met a young lady that fortunately has now been my wife for 38 years. And and she helped straighten me out to a certain degree. I, I started to go uh, to, to be a student and actually realized I could get good grades. And, uh, you know, it helps when you go to class all the time. <laughs> study. Uh, and, you know, I, so she kind of helped turn me around to a certain degree, although I still had that party bug in me. Yeah. And so I graduated from college and I, I came back to my hometown, uh, which is Greece, which is a suburb of Rochester, New York. And I convinced this young lady, her name was Pat, to uh, come to Rochester with me. And she actually lived with my aunt for a year. And then we got engaged and we got married. And cool. uh, so then my dream was I, 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 I struggled a little bit early in my career. I had part-time jobs and I'd lose. And I was a, a assistant basketball coach at, at actually in my hometown at a couple of the high schools. I was a freshman coach and then a JV coach for a couple of years. And then I got a break. At 25 years old, which is pretty young in my profession, I got an opportunity to become a varsity coach at a school about 20 minutes from where I grew up. And I also was going to be a physical education teacher. So it was a full-time job. You know, I was going to be the varsity coach. And the program wasn't in very good shape. But, you know, at that point in my life, I was, you know, I had had some success as a JV coach and I thought I knew it all. And I was going to lead this team that wasn't very good, you know, from the outhouse to the penthouse. Well, <laughs> I, I did such a great job that I led that team to 17 consecutive losses. Oh, then I, uh, Hey, that's to, hard work coach. Yeah. It was a, it was a very uh, humbling year. And then to add the insult to injury is um, uh, during the summer, they actually let me go. Uh, and uh, so I, it was a very, very difficult time for me. Um, and I got back in a party in some and, and, uh, uh, fortunately, though, I did get a, a break in the sense from a basketball perspective. I got uh, asked by a local junior college coach. His name was Bill Van Gundy. 
And for those of you, your yes. listeners that have followed basketball, probably have heard the Van Gundy name. Bill was the father of Jeff and Stan, that are yeah. both head coaches in the NBA. Stan is presently the head so coach. So their dad, huh? Their dad. How cool. And I got a chance to work with him for a year. Uh, and it was good. It was a great experience. He helped me with a lot of leadership and building a team. And, and, and it also kind of... Um, uh, got me thinking about that, you know, I got a lot to learn. And that's when I did start to really get into my personal growth. I started to read more and, and listen to audio programs and all those types of things. But my dream was I really wanted to be a head coach at a high school again. And the next year I got another opportunity. I actually got a, an opportunity to work at a smaller high school, about 30 minutes from where I grew up called Leroy High School. Cool. And the program was in pretty bad shape. They had won one, two games a year before we got there. And actually, we had two pretty good years. We, we uh, quadrupled the wins the first year. We had eight. And then the second year, we went into double figures. And uh, we had a little run in the postseason. Uh, but my real dream was I really wanted to go back to my hometown. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, and my hometown is the biggest suburb of Rochester. I uh, actually... Uh, we have four high schools in our town. We had three when, we, when I was growing up. And then they added a fourth. And so I got an opportunity to come back to my hometown and be the head coach at this school called Greece Olympia. And their program was in dire straits. <laughs> they had won only two games the two previous seasons. Oh, wow. They had, had just not much winning tradition ever. They just yeah. had a really long history of bad basketball. No kidding. And so I came in and, you know, I had a lot of energy and I, I kept the JV coach and him and I became best of friends and we worked our buns up. But in our first four years, we had one winning season. So things still were, you know, it was a, it was a real journey. But that's where I learned a lot of my leadership principles. I do a whole leadership talk on seven keys to being an effective leader. And that's where I really started to, to work on these. And, and fortunately, you know, with a lot of hard work and starting to become a better leader, in our last three years at Greece Olympia, we had three of the best years in the school history. We were the number one seed in our postseason tournament, which the school had never done. We made the sectional semifinal three consecutive years with the school and never even got to the semifinals before. So we had good things going. And then uh, after my seventh year there, uh, I... Uh, I always looked at one of the other Greece schools and there's a lot of different reasons. I'm not going to delve into too long a story, but just to say there's, there was one position. I always thought if it opened up, I was going to look to go for it. Yeah. And it did after my seventh year, it, okay. the head coach there opened up and they, it was called Greece Athena and, and uh, they had had tradition, but the guy that took over, he was only there a couple of years and he didn't do a very good job. And so they had a losing season and the guy just resigned. So I decided to go for it and I was offered the job. And there, uh, you know, now I had a lot of confidence as building teams and leadership skills. And, and fortunately, uh, we had winning teams immediately. We, we won our first year and we never had a losing season in 20 years. Oh, how cool. So it was, it was a great run, but yeah. the, I did have a big stumbling block in my life. Mm. And that was, uh, I mentioned to you at Olympia, we got to um, the semifinals three times. Well, my first, I think eight years at Athena, we didn't even get to the semifinals. So we were winning at winning records. We win some divisions, but we just would stumble in the postseason. Yeah. Oh. And I was really frustrated. I was like, I can't, why is this happening? And then, so my, I think it was my eighth year, uh, we had uh, a uh, really, 
you know what? It was a great group of kids. It was one of my all-time favorite teams. It wasn't my most talented team, but they just – it was one of those teams where you felt you got the most out of them. They were really cohesive. And yeah. we got, actually finally got back to the semifinals. And we're, uh, uh, we're up uh, like 10 points with four minutes to go. And we blow the entire league. Oh! At the end, and we're just devastated. And then uh, – so then that's uh, the next year uh, is when uh, uh, that young man that we'll talk about now, Jason J. Mac McElwain came into our program. And Jason uh, was a sophomore. He did not try out for basketball his freshman year. And I really didn't know him at all. Even, you know, the high school was pretty big. Yeah. And he tries out for my, our JV team. I'm the varsity coach. And my JV coach comes in after a few days of trials. He goes, coach, this guy, Jason McElwain, He's on the autism spectrum. He's learning disabled. He's not a good player. He, and he, this guy, he is really small in stature. He's about five, six, maybe a hundred pounds. Just teeny. <laughs> a little guy. Yeah. And, but he goes, you know, he's got this big heart and he loves basketball and he loves the kids. I think we should keep him in the program. I said, well, what do you got in mind? He says, I'm going to offer him the team manager's job. How cool. I'm going to practice with the team. And that's what he did. And he, uh, he practiced with the team and, and, you know, he would come to all of our JV games. And then it always used to warm my heart because early in the season, there were some trials and tribulations as the, his teammates got used to Jason. Sure. Jason got used to his new teammates. But then, our, you know, our program had, had uh, good team chemistry and, you know, they started to really embrace him and they really started falling. In fact, it used to warm my heart because Jason would – sit on the bench. Well, I'd say sit on the bench. It wasn't always sitting on the JV. <laughs> he always come in a white shirt and black tie. And at the end of the game, he would be totally disheveled. And after the game, he'd want to stay on the bench for the varsity game. So one of my varsity players would go over and it used to really touch my heart because they would straighten his shirt out and tie, retie his tie. And it was, it was really cool. How you know, cool. Really yeah. Embracing him. That's amazing. Well, you know, Jason, um, so during Jason's sophomore year, both teams had good teams, and we got to the sectional semifinal now for the fifth time, and we lose again. Uh. And we were bummed, but uh, that didn't stop J-Mac. One, one of the things I, I want to share with everybody, that what made Jason so unique to me was that not that he was on the autism spectrum or learning disabled, but his just his love for the team and his commitment and people forget that, you know, uh, is that the one thing is after that season, Mike, he came to all our off-season workouts. And that's where our bond between him and I started to establish. Because I would pick him up at his house and, you know, I'd take him to, you know, open gyms or, you know, all, uh, summer league games and all that stuff. And he's just, he was contagious. You know, I used to give my team a quote every day. One of my favorite quotes is, attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? And Jay Max was, he just was it. And you know, I, I got to interject one thing because, uh, you know, he's now known around the world pretty much as sure. Jay Max. And the reason he got it is uh, I gave him that nickname because I could not pronounce his last name. <laughs> In fact, butchering his last name was a misdemeanor. I would have been on death row. I could not pronounce it. <laughs> so how he got his nickname is during his sophomore year, I told him, uh, I went into the J.B. Preds one day. I said, Jason, you know how Syracuse, because Syracuse is about two hours from us, and they had a good team back then. 
You, you, you know how they have uh, G Mac, which is Jerry McNamara, who's a great player in the so national championship team. He goes, yeah, I like G Mac. I said, well, if Syracuse can have G Mac, Greece Athena can have J Mac. Yeah. And he embraced that. He liked that. So oh, I'm sure. He, I got to say J Mac instead of McElwain, and and uh, he liked it. And then it's funny because I'm telling you, literally, a lot of people in the school did not know his real name. So they it just became cool. J-Mac. He, he was yeah. just J-Mac, you know? <laughs> Did the rest of the team go, hey, coach, can I get a cool nickname too? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so he, he comes out his junior, and again, he is so devoted. So, uh, uh, you know, but he, I bring him in the office. I tell him, you know, Jason, you're not quite good enough to be on the team, but I'd like mm-hmm. to offer you the team manager's job. And he quickly embraces that. In fact, in our first team meeting, he raises his hand and he says, coach, yeah. And he says, can I say something to the team? I said, sure. He goes, we're going to embrace this mantra this year, this slogan. And the slogan is that we're going to stay focused and we're going to help you win your first sectional championship. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jason. Well, we had another good season, Jason's junior year. We got to the sectional semifinal now for the sixth time in my career. And we lose at the buzzer to rival. Oh. We were just devastated. Oh. Again, you know, one of the things I talked about, Jason, is the essence of perseverance. Because again, you know, he just didn't let that stop him. And and I just admired his commitment because he would he came again to all our off-season workouts, tries out his senior year. After a couple of days of tryouts, I bring him in. I said, Jason, I got some good news and some bad news. He says, Coach, give me the bad news first. He said, well, unfortunately, you're not quite good enough to make that team. And this time, he, uh, you could see he was really disappointed. It kind yeah. of dropped down. I said, but I do have some good news. His head pops back up. He goes, yeah, Coach. I said, well, for senior night, I'm going to give you a jersey and hopefully get you in the game. As I kid people, he periodically would ask me about the uniform. And of course I define periodically as about every other day. (laughs) (laughs) He was really pumped up. I love it. Jason's senior year, we, I thought this was the year we're going to break the barrier. And and because we had a really good team, we had a lot of players coming back from the year before. And I thought, you know, this could be it, you know, Jason's senior year. And, uh, you know, so we were all thinking, you know, this is the year we're going to break the barrier and win the sectionals. Well, we win our first two games, and I think everything's hunky-dory. And then this is the, another uh, downside. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll say this in summary, and then I'll share though quickly about, a little bit about it, is the unique thing about Jason's senior year, it was part of the season was absolutely the worst part I ever had in my coaching career as 30 years as a head coach. That's how bad it was. And then his game, and I'll tell the finish the story in a little bit, uh, and how the uh, season ended is one of the best things that ever happened to me as a coach. Interesting. So, yeah. So it was really, really unique because usually you don't, you know, if a season goes well, it, you know, you might have a few bumps and bruises, but it's usually never where you get the lowest part of your yeah. career and the highest part of your career in the same year. Amazing. It's like yeah. extreme polar opposites. Yes, exactly. Jeez. So, Jeez. Uh, so we, what happened is. Um, when I grew up in our community, we were pretty much all Caucasian. Uh-huh. And we, I, I think we had two African-American in my whole entire senior class, like of 350. So uh, when, you know, Jason's uh, school years, we started to get a lot more diversity. We we're getting a lot more African-American population, Asian population, Hispanic. And so I thought it would be good to try to bring someone on our staff 
that uh, had some diversity. So I, yeah. I hired this assistant, uh, he was African-American, he had two sons that were young when I hired him, and he worked with me for six years. Well, Jason Sr., his oldest son was one of our best players, he was a senior, and he was a great, great kid. Huh. But I also brought up his sophomore son, and his sophomore son was a good player, but he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And the kids didn't embrace him like the older son. Sure. And, and so after our first two games, because he, he deserved to play the younger son, and he was playing, uh, we re- actually had anarchy from a bunch of our parents. They came to me and said that, oh. they, uh, that the assistant coach was, you know, influencing my decisions, and oh. I was devastated. In fact, I nearly resigned, and the only reason I didn't resign is my wife and my staff came to me and said, coach, you always talk about when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I, and this is where you have to step up. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can to get this thing turned around. Oh, that's tough. The next three, four weeks was the one, probably the darkest part I've ever had in coaching. We just were in disarray. Kids couldn't stand each other. We were totally in division and it obviously manifests on the court. I, you know, I, in our next five games, we lost three of them. And oh. I didn't think we'd lose any of them, you know, but we were just in dire straits. So the turning point then was we went to a Christmas tournament at the biggest high school in Rochester called Fairport. And they were really good that year. And, uh, but I thought, you know, we could play with them, but not the way we were, were together. Sure. So in the opening round, we won uh, our opening round in a close game and Fairport beat a team in the, in the second game by like 40 points that we had beaten two weeks earlier in double overtime. Oh, so no kidding. It was during Christmas break. So I, the next day when we pl- have a game where we don't have school, we usually bring them in for a short practice for about an hour. It's called a shoot around. And we usually bring balls out and we'll do some shooting and do some plays and that kind of thing. And just kind of a review for the night. Well, I knew I had to do something different because the team was just in disarray. So I didn't bring any basketballs out. I just got the bleachers out and I sat them down and I looked them right in the eyes and I shocked them with what I said. I said, guys, I don't want to go to the game tonight. And they looked at me like in disbelief. What do you mean you don't want to go to the game tonight? And then I told them, I said, guys, unless we decide that we're going to unite, Fairport's going to beat us by 50 points tonight. But the best thing I did, because I do a lot of talks on leadership, and one of the keys I talk about is effective communication. And the major key of effective communication, which I was getting better at, but I I really improved that year and and moving forward, was the art of listening. And what I said next was, guys, I don't have all the answers, but you guys got to share how we can unite this team, because if we don't, you know, we're just going to have trouble the rest of the season starting tonight. Yeah. And they started to share and, and it really started to develop a little bit of a bond. I mean, I can't say it was a panacea where it cured everything, but I could tell that, you know, there was a bounce in their step walking on the gym. Yeah. And, and it manifested that night. We played a great game and we lost to Fairport in overtime. And so it showed what we were capable of doing. And that really yes. uh, started to unite us. We still had some trials and tribulations, but we on the floor we were starting to play much better and we won eight of our next nine games oh how cool senior night. wow so february 15th that year was senior night and on february 13th they gave gmac his first jersey all right number 52 it was yeah. way too big <laughs> but he didn't care in fact there was a rumor going around school that he slept in it for two straight <laughs> nights I mean, he was pumped 
Well, I, I will tell you, Mike, I went through 30 senior nights. And th- senior nights always a very special nights where we honor our seniors and we bring their parents or guardians out before the game. And it's really a special night. But this night was profoundly special to see J-Mac actually in uniform embracing his parents before the game. It's a memory I'll always cherish. How cool. So the, his, his parents came down and everything. And yeah, his so parents wow. came down with the rest of the team. And, you know, the so seniors, cool. And it, it was really neat. So. Well, now the game begins, and uh, you said you're going to show the video uh, with this, but uh, on the video, you can see we have a pretty good student body found. They call themselves the six men, and I'll never forget because at the start of the, the game, they start yelling, we want J-Mac, we want J-Mac, and I guess it's just in case I forgot. <laughs> well, going to the game, there were some ideas I had. One, because we had rallied in the season, if we won that game, we could tie for the league championship. Number two, although I wanted to get Jason in, I knew that it was very important that I gave uh, everybody else an opportunity to play before I could put Jason in because he was a normal team member. And the third thing is I wanted to make sure that he could get in with enough time so he could score a basket. If I thought he could score a basket, there's a memory he'll have for the rest of his life. After three quarters of the game, I got everybody in but Jason. So with just over four minutes ago, I decided the time is right. And I pointed at him. He nearly ran on the court. Then what happened next touched my heart and soul so deeply because I'm, you know, one of these guys that, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty macho guy and, you know, I try not to cry at basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, he enters the game and what happened is um, Jason and I both didn't know this. One of our parents got this idea to make all these pictures, these placards of Jason's face and put them on these paint sticks. And they gave them to the student body and asked if, if Jason got in the game that they would show those. Well, I had no idea that was going to happen. So when he walks on the floor, they show those and Mr. Macho sits down and I start, I mean, tears <laughs> just running down my face. I can't, I can't, and I'm trying to get like a towel to wipe myself off. Well, the game begins, and Jason, the first time he gets the ball, he gets in the right corner behind the three-point arc, and he lets it crowd. And I remember looking up, and the crowd's like standing in anticipation, and it misses by like six feet. And I not even people, close. Yeah, oh, it's not even close. It's an air ball, and and I kid people that I know you're not supposed to pray in the public schools, but <laughs> I was praying, dear God. Yeah. So, yeah. But a great lesson I think we can all learn going back to the art of perseverance is that, you know, we used to teach our guys all the time about next play. That you, you know, you, you, you know, basketball's too fast. You can't be, you know, you make a mistake, you got to move on, right? Yes. And, and, but I think a lot of people in Jason's shoes would have said, hey, I'm not shooting again. This is embarrassing. But Jay, it didn't affect Jason. He's just like, okay, you know, I missed the shot. Well, let's move on. Next play. So, Next, next play. I so love next, it. next possession. I love that. He gets about a about a ten foot shot, and this time uh, it, it hits the backboard and hits the rim and falls off. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, God's starting to listen. It's closer. It's closer. Again, closer. And then uh, uh, the third possession, he gets the ball this time behind the arc at the right wing. He lets it go. This time, magic. The Swish. ball goes in, and the place just goes bananas and i'm thinking to myself god must be a basketball fan not only has jason scored he's got a three-pointer it can't get any better than this right? what was the look on his face coach do you remember it uh you know what he uh, actually uh i don't remember because tears were just flowing down yeah yeah the only thing i could tell you that uh, a little sidelight that most people don't know is he was so amped up yeah when the other team came down he fouled this guy so hard uh, that, that's the one part I'll never forget. It's like, yeah, no, J Max, settle down. 
<laughs> so, he had all the adrenaline going. That's yeah, awesome. Oh, he was fired up. Well, yeah. Then as I kid people, uh, you know, Jason, um, uh, his idol was Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And the late, great Kobe Bryant. And uh, actually, I want to fast forward and I'll come back to the last yeah. part of the story. Yeah. Is actually uh, four or five months later, Jason's uh, in California at the ESPYs. And he's one of the four finalists for the greatest sports moment of the year. And one of the other four finalists is Kobe. Kobe no had scored 81 points in an NBA yeah. And so uh, he meets his, his idol and he beats him out for the S. Unreal. So and, and so now, so he's, he's made the one shot. One shot. And then he hits how many more? And, and exactly how does that end? So what happens is he just starts making shot after shot. And most of them are three-pointers. In fact, his only other basket that was a two-pointer, his foot was actually on the line. And oh. to give you just one quick perspective, because people would say, was the other team letting him go? Well, they weren't like all in his face. But the only time they actually let him get a, an easy shot is he, he missed a shot. And it was a long rebound, and his teammate got it, and he actually kind of flipped it to him. And the other team's spent support, and I want to give kudos to their team and their coach. Yeah. Great sports. They kind of let him go, and he had a wide-open layup, and he missed it. Oh. So, so it was just crazy. Yeah, so he was hitting these all on his own. I all, mean, this is a big-time game, yeah. Yeah, so and uh, the place is going crazier and crazier. And the two things I'll never forget with about a minute to go, I'm you know, still sitting on the bench, tears still rolling down my face. And I get a tap on my shoulder. And I'm shocked because normally I don't get touched during a game. And I look yeah. at her and it's J-Mac's mother. Uh, and she's bawling her eyes out. And she whispers my ear, Coach, this is the best gift you could ever give my son. Of course, I cry harder. I was oh. so touched. Then this is how the game That's ends. Amazing. You talk about a Hollywood ending, Mike. Uh, with, with about 10 seconds to go, our opponent, Spencer Board, scores. And our player takes out of bounds. Normally he throws it to our point guard, but he throws it to J-Mac. So J-Mac dribbling down the court, and I'm looking up, and I see like five, four, and I'm thinking, you know, they're just going to let him go make a layup. He pulls up like two feet behind the arc, almost an NBA three. He lets go of this rainbow, and I'm thinking, Jason, don't shoot from there. It's way too far. <laughs> Swish. Oh. I look over, I see our student body running on the floor. Our players run on the floor. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm living the movie Rudy, but this is <laughs> And then the one other thing they'll never forget that was so fascinating to me was that Jason's parents have an interesting dynamic. His dad is six foot six. His mom is five foot two. Wow. You see this little bitty lady bobbing through the entire crowd and she gives Jason a big hug. And then our players put him up on his shoulders. And at this point, I had no idea how many points he has. And our public address announcer comes on and says, the leading scorer for the Trojans tonight, J-Mac, with 20 points. And as I kid people, if you would played the whole game, you scored 160. Yeah. <laughs> In the time frame, right? Yeah. Unreal. Uh, and, you know, the two things out, that jump out to me that I like to share is the first thing is, you know, because we really spent a lot of time in my whole career in trying to build, you know, what a great team, team and teammates are. And the thing that touched my heart so deeply, Mike, was that the fact that I never asked the four guys on the floor with Jason to pass him the ball yet. In those last four minutes, he's the only one to shot. They just kept passing the ball. In fact, I still see Jason a lot. And, you, and uh, I kid him off and I said, Jason, I'm still looking for your first assist. You should <laughs> pass the ball once. I love it. And, and then the other thing is I, I really felt, you know, that there's been a nice ripple effect through the years. I've seen some really neat stories where 
kids who, you know, with disabilities have gotten into different sports. And, and I think we might've started that a little bit, which is great. But the nice thing that I felt in my own heart is I felt they did it for all the right reasons. We had no media there, you know, it wasn't a setup thing. And the only thing back then is my responsibility after the game is I had to call the score into our local paper, which was called the Democrat and Chronicle. And when I told them, you know, that my team manager got in and scored 20 points, I thought for sure he'd get a headline. I mean, that doesn't happen every day, right? And I get up the next morning, I barely slept. I was so excited. And I open up our sports page and it says, Trojans, our team nickname, ties for league title. And it mentions just a little bit about Jason. So I'm thinking, oh, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal, although it was something that really was big to me. So that day when I went to school, uh, normally I'm a phys ed teacher. We didn't do any teaching. We just watched the game from over and over again. And I remember someone came up to me and say, coach, this is going to get on ESPN. I said, ESPN, and we get a headline in the Democratic Chronicle. <laughs> um, and really, that's where I thought it was going to end. But what I didn't know is Jason's speech pathologist, he was, I didn't really know him too well at the school, but he had worked with Jason for four years. He had never come to a game, but Jason told me he might get in. So oh, no kidding. He came to the game, and the next day at school, he called one of our local TV stations, Channel 8, and he says, you've got to borrow the video from the coach. This is the best thing I've ever seen in sports. And they did. They came to school. They got the video for me, and they showed it that night, and it got such a big response that the next day we had three TV stations come into our, our uh, school, and you know they were asking questions. And then one of our sports directors called me later that day, and he says, Coach, you mind if I uh, send this out nationally? I said, no, if it can make an impact on a country, I think it would be wonderful. And we were going into, that was the end of our regular season. And that weekend, we were going to what we call our February break, where our students were off in school, but we're starting our postseason sectional tournament. So our players would come back. And it was a quiet weekend. So I thought that's where it was going to end. Well, Monday morning, I get up. We had practice in the morning because we didn't have school. And I'm just about to leave. And the phone rings. And it's a CBS Evening News. And they normally don't call the house. And they said, Coach, we heard about the game. We want to come in and do a story. Well, they did a story later that week, Mike, and then the media attention just exploded. Yeah. The phone was ringing off the hook at home. You know, we weren't in school that week other than practice. And so I, uh, we got into uh, uh, the, the sectional tournament. And um, from there, you know, that's the dream that we are always uh, trying to do. Well, one of the things that I'm kind of made a pact for myself is uh, one of the things I, I, I talk about in leadership is I think you got to be a great, outstanding role model. And, you know, I've really taken a lot of pride. In fact, you know, I talk about my own personal mission statement, which, which I think is really important. And one of the parts of that is to be a great role model for the people that are following me. And what I realized is one of the reasons I think we're losing is because in the postseason tournament, I got so uptight. I put so much pressure on myself that guess what? I was putting pressure on my team and they weren't handling well. And it was my fault. And so I made a pact that I was going to change this year. And no matter how stressful the game was, I was going to stay positive. And so, so, well, in the first round we had, we had a bye. And then the second round was the quarterfinals and we had a home game and we won that game pretty easily. In fact, give you an idea of the media attention after the game, we were interviewed by people magazine. So, <laughs> which didn't normally. Oh, small feet. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, and I come back to school that following week and I, I asked my athletic director if I could have a sub because of the media attention. And I hit a sub for eight consecutive school days. That's how much media attention. The phone was just ringing off the hook. No and, kidding. And it was wow. just crazy. 
And of course, we're trying to prepare for that, you know, semifinals, which I had never gotten by as a coach. Yeah. So this is your seven, right? Seventh one. Seven. Okay. So we get to the semifinals mm. and we actually play pretty good first half. We're up 10 at halftime. And, and uh, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we, we may do this, right? That's a scary well, number for you though, coach. Yeah, I know. So 10 we, now, yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we ended up uh, blowing the entire lead. We actually are losing the fourth quarter. Mm. This time I did a better job. I stayed more positive. I, t- I told them, you know, hang tough. You got to stay together. Uh, and it worked. We, our kids really showed resilience, perseverance, and we rallied and won the game. We're going for the finals. Stayed calm. Yeah. So the yeah, last three, next three days before the championship game was like a mini Super Bowl at the school. We, we had so many TV cameras come in. We had a Japanese TV station. No in. kidding. It was just crazy. And of course, now we're trying to prepare for the finals. So uh, Saturday night is the championship game. We play at arena downtown called the Blue Cross Arena. And it suites about, I don't know, like almost 11,000 people. And normally for a championship game in our area, we'll get maybe three or four, sometimes 5,000. And so we walk in the arena that night and it's sold out. There's not a seat. It's just mopped. And when I walk in, Channel 8 asked to interview me, and they asked me a few questions. And then they said, could we interview J-Mac? Now, J-Mac's sitting in the first row. I was down on the floor. And I turned to him. I said, Jason, Channel 8 watched the interview. He stands up. He says, Coach, it's time to get focused. No media interview. No, no time for that. <laughs> so I'm thinking we're ready, right? Until the first championship game, we're down 14 to 3 after four minutes. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, boy. But, again, this time I was better. I, I stayed positive. They, we hung together. We actually rarely tied the game late. And then our, uh, we had the ball late in the game. And one of my players dribbled into the basket, threw it back out. And one of my other players made a three. So we're up three. Our opponent comes down. They miss a shot. There's a scramble. I'm kind of standing like this. And all of a sudden, bam, I got tackled by my JV coach, who indicated we, had, we were Section 5 chance. Yes. And it was amazing. And uh, uh, the one funny little thing to close with on that part is that uh, after the game, we took our, our team to a local restaurant and actually talk about ESPN. ESPN was at the game and they actually sh- showed highlights on ESPN. Oh, no kidding. That night How cool. So it was just, uh, it was crazy. And uh, We went into the state turn and we ended up losing. So that ended that season, but it, it was, uh, as I said, it was just remarkable because I had the lowest point in my career and the highest point in my career uh, with, uh, in, without a doubt. So That one season. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, so, I, I mean, there's so much to talk about. And, and I, there, I want you to kind of, if you don't mind, tell us about your relationship with J-Mac and maybe after a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a couple things first and, and, and a couple sure. things I find just incredibly interesting is – when you recognized that in the past, when you guys made it to these championship games and the pressure you were putting on first yourself right. and the team to win these games was probably causing some anxiety and just some high stress. Right. And so you right. had, you, you had this realization that I've got to stay calm. And as the leader, if I stay calm, it'll carry over onto the team. How did you come to that realization? What, what, what clicked in your mind to say, Hey, look, this is something that will bless your team? Well, that's a great question because what I did 
and it, it, it took me obviously quite a while because I went through six times when we lost <laughs> in the semifinal. But I did, you know, every year after the season, I would do like a day where I just would reflect, you know, okay. and I would try to write some notes down. And, and it just, Mike, I, I can't tell you, it just never struck to me that I wasn't a good role model until after the, uh, you know what part of it was, is I, I didn't share this with you, is after uh, we lost um, that sixth time, I came home and I was always able to handle losses okay, especially with my wife. Sure. And that night, I completely lost it at home. She had never seen that out of me. I just mm. quit. I was like, I don't know that we're, we can ever do this. I just don't know. I'm not the guy for the job, you know, and making all the excuses. All yeah. That. And then after, you know, I took a little time and then after that season, the year before J-Max senior year, I started really thinking, I said, you know what, I'm the problem. And the problem was, is, you know, as much as I put a lot of time and energy, I just, I wasn't remaining calm. In fact, I have a picture of behind me of, uh, of one of the times when I lost control on the sideline and I keep it up there just to remind me that that's the wrong me. You know, yeah. and, and so, uh, and that really changed me uh, because we can talk a little bit about Jason, our relationship afterwards, but we ended up winning a number of championships. And I think that was a major, major change for me was the ability to be able to handle the stress and be someone the kids could look to, to handle the pressure. Uh, as opposed to being someone that, you know, was in the pressure and couldn't handle it at all. Yeah. That's amazing though. It's, I think of uh, Phil Jackson, they called him what the Zen master. Yes. Yeah. Going with all these different personalities and he was always, so if if you remember watching him on the sidelines, he was yeah. so good at staying calm. Right. And, and that is a, that is a powerful thing. Cause I watch myself as a parent with my children. And when I, when I get high anxiety or if there's something they've done over and over and over again, and I'm like, Hey, you guys, like, why do I have to keep asking you this stuff? And I kind of start to get a little frustrated. There's more energy being directed to them out of frustration. Right. It causes them to like lose it themselves. And there's, right. then there's no bringing it back in. And, and I, that is a really cool thing that you realized. And as a role model, especially as a coach, to be able to, to like start to panic as a young kid, look down the bench and see your coach, it's okay. Like everything's going to be just fine and poised. There is a, there's a, there's a confidence that I, I remember being a player and having coaches that were more like that. And mm -hmm. I remember in those moments, I felt it's going to be okay. Like, right. okay. You, you kind of dig in and you say, it's going to be fine. But if your coach is panicking, you're like, well, this game's over. You know, right. a kid, a young kids just like, well, this game's over. What's going to happen in the next one or whatever. And right. that, what a powerful lesson coach. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty amazing. So, so tell me, go keep going with your story about you and J Mac and, and kind of your coaching career. Let's let's maybe end up with give us some more there and then let's go back and I want to talk to you more a little bit more about your personal life. Yeah, sure. So after that uh season, um we actually won back-to-back -back championships. Uh this next year we won another sectional championship uh without J Mac. J Mac was not uh he had graduated, he um did not go to college, but he was working at a local grocery store. And he'd come by the school some and he'd come to some of our games, but he wasn't really involved. And he stayed out of our program for two years. And then after the second year away, he came into the school one day and he, he came to my office. He says, coach, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he says, I really miss the program. Is there any way I can come back and help you? 
And I said, sure. You know, so we worked it out and he helped like all of our teams, but he would come to a lot of the Farsi practices and came to every single one of our games. And so cool. And, and then the neat thing is, uh, cause it, you know, I've done a lot of speaking around the country and I, you know, when, uh, when I was still coaching, uh, you know, I speak someplace and they say, do you ever see J Mac? And I'd start laughing because I like, you know, I see him every single day. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm on the road, he texts me like 10 times. And, uh, it, but it was really great because it, you know, I, I started to develop this nice bond with him, but then we grew like, he was like almost a second son to me. I mean, we did so many things together cause he's so into basketball. You know, like I would take him scouting all the time and, as a kid, people, you know, in my the last nine years, he was with me. We won four more championships and almost won a state championship. We lost in the finals. Uh, so for a small fee, I will run him out to you. He's a pretty good little charm. Uh, but awesome. We just, our, our relationship just continued to grow. And uh, it's been a little bit hard on all of us right now, obviously, with everybody and the fact that yeah. you, know, you can't see people right now with the pandemic. So, you know, we still talk on the phone and we text each other and all that. But uh and, uh, you know, I, I play some tennis, not now uh, outside, but I was over at the local school. So he would ride by in his bike and that kind of thing. So I still see him. But uh, but it was a it was a really, really good run, uh, you know, that we finished uh, my career. And unfortunately, you know, it's funny because I, I had a really, um, as I mentioned, a terrible start to my varsity career. And in fact, uh, you know, I usually don't share this, but uh, I think after seven years in coaching, I was something like 40 games under 500. No so kidding. I didn't get off to a great start. And by the end of the, my career, uh, I was fortunate to have over 400 victories. And I think we were something like 200 something games over 500. So that's uh, awesome. You know, wow. So I really went from, um, and that's one of the things I talk about leadership is something I really figured out and something I, now I talk to, you know, teams and, and schools and business teams and that kind of thing is because a question I'm often asked is, uh, you know, how do you get to the top? And, you know, I have these leadership principles I share. I said, but the, the, the hard question is, how do you stay at the top? And, you know, that's the, you know, cause you know, you hear that music, the one hit wonders and all that kind of things, but you know, how do you consistently and, and I, I really uh, believe it has a lot to do as a leader. Are you continuing to grow and are you continuing to grow your people? And and when you can do that, then you get something special. And that's where you can start to maintain that excellence, which is, you know, everybody wants to achieve it, but it's really hard to to keep that excellence going. Well, it's it's very interesting that you would say, are are you continuing to grow? And and the purpose, not only for self-growth, but, but so that you can, grow your people right so it's almost like everything evolves and reflect is reflected by service yes yes and and, and when you when you get to the point where it's not just about me and what i want what my goal is what my vision is right but it becomes here's why i want to do it and and there's all these other lives that are a part of it and you're trying to help them achieve something great for themselves yeah you got there and and you stayed there for a long time and and I mean, to talk about perseverance, I mean, we talk about J-Mac and it's like, yeah, that kid, he never gave up. What a, what a special kid and yeah. what a powerful lesson to all of us, especially, you know, with coronavirus, right, coach? We, we, there's mental health is, is yeah. worse than it's ever been and right. there's suicide rates are up and people are just struggling. Youth are struggling and right. with stories like J-Mac and Rudy, right? Good old Rudy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but these kind of stories of 
kids that didn't fit the mold of what yep. a basketball star was or is and, and autistic and, and, yep. and to stick with it, never give up. And then all of a sudden, bam, he gets his, he gets his chance and he was ready. He was right. ready for his chance. And, and it took a little bit to get the jitters out. He, he shot an air, air ball yeah, by six yeah, feet yeah. and whatever. But, I mean, all we saw on ESPN was the swishes. That's right. all that matters, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, because one of the things I say, Michael, is, uh, you know, I, uh, one of my talks I talk about carpe diem, of course, yeah. today. And the one thing that, again, going back that people didn't realize, although Jason was not, you know, a real high-level player, but, you know, the thing is, he was always the first guy to come to practice. He was always staying late, you know, to serve his teammates, help them out. But he was always doing some extra shooting himself, you know. So, you know, I'd be kidding everybody, the world if I said, you know, yeah, I was expecting Jason yeah. to oh. 20 points, you know. He can light you know, it up all the time. We can all learn, though, is that, you know, he did spend a lot of time preparing. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing we can all embrace is that, you know, if you want to be successful in anything, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of preparation. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it to. But i tell you more time because, you know, I've, I've done, I think, well over 300 public presentations now. And, um, you know, and I know how hard those are if you don't prepare. And yeah. when I, when I have what I feel like is a home run, I know I spent a lot of time and when I'm a little bit off my game, I probably didn't do as well in the preparing part. Yeah. Know? Yeah. What, what's the, there's an old quote and, and I forget who it's from, but it's preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yes. And I used to have a AAU coach that would, say that all the time and, and yeah. I went on my LDS mission in Indiana he used to send me letters every once in a while and he'd always end with that and I thought you know that's it you know even whether whether the door comes flying open for you now to have your spotlight or not you you prepare as if it's as if that door is going to open for you prepare and you get ready all the time and and that's what J-Mac did but what is so cool coach is is I, is I listened to J-Mac's story and the power of that story. And that is a phenomenal, that's a miraculous story. But there's a huge story underneath that story that is so important. And that's your story. Mm-hmm. And, and all those principles, perseverance, all those things, I mean, gosh, you, you name it. And you're right there with it, right? So you, you take over these programs and you first come into your coaching career. First of all, how hard is it with, for a young man when you start to struggle in school and you get cut from the basketball team and that's your life. That's your dream. Right. That, yeah. Holy cow. You mean I'm not going to play in the NBA? Like, what right. are you talking? Right. I, like, right. I can, I, I'm going to, that's shattering. And that's, that's the dream. And all of a sudden that dream is crushed. It's no longer there. And, and to turn to a life of partying, partying, which mm-hmm. that's something a lot of us do when we're younger, right? right? We kind of go to those things that get our minds to stop thinking about the hurt and the pain. Right. And we, you don't really want to approach those things. That's a hard space to, to really come into. Yeah. Um, we don't know how to talk about it, right? We don't, right? we don't know how to talk about it with parents. We don't want to go see counselors because we don't want to be labeled as, hey, there's that person. Right. But, but you, 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 you got back into it. You, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it took a while. There were some right. years where it was really dark. It was hard. Yeah. But, but you stuck it out. Pat was with you. And yep. thank goodness for Pat. She's awesome, right? right? She, yeah, absolutely. Her, her love helped propel you. You get into coaching and like the first few seasons, you're taking over teams that have lost crazy amounts of games. Right. And, 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 I, and, and so you fall back into it just a little bit, but, but you don't stay in it and, and you keep going and you keep persevering. And even though you get your feet knocked out from under you multiple times, 
you keep going. What, right. tell, take me back to those moments in the beginning of your story before any of these other things happened towards the end. What, what allowed you to hang on? What was it that, that allowed you to hang on? Well, the one thing that does jump out to me, Michael, is that um, when I lost my first varsity job, is that I made a pact with myself. Um, and there are two things that were great lessons for me that I think are, can be helpful for everybody. And the first one was, is that I, I realized, you know, I was 25, I was young, and I was pretty arrogant. I, you know, I, I, I was way beyond confident. I thought I, you know, I thought I knew it all. And what really did is it humbled me and realized that, you know, I had a lot to learn. And that really helped me with my own personal growth. Cause I, I'm a personal growth junkie. I read books like there's no tomorrow. I mean, I'm hundreds behind me. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm a big, you know, I, I talk to people all the time, turn your car into a library on wheels. I'm always listening to audio programs. And, and you know, I, I walk, um, I go daily walk and I listen to a podcast, you know, I've listened to some years. So, um, so I think, you know, those are things that are really important. And the other part, the second piece of that pact was I told myself I was going to prove that school wrong. And one of the things I think we can all use as setbacks is make, turn them into comebacks. And by what I mean by that is that, you know, you use that inner drive because I remember, uh, you know, a number of times when, you know, where I'd be staying up late to watch a game film because I wanted to be prepared. And, I, you know, I'd think to myself, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing this. And then I'd go back, nope. Remember when I lost that job? You know, that's never going to happen again. So I think using a really uh, adverse situation to use it as something that will stimulate you to motivate you. And I, I, I've told people as many times that that burn in my belly never went away for the rest of my coaching career, that I was going to prove that I could be a successful coach. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because that was probably one of the most humiliating things in my basketball career was to lose a you know a job after one year, ah. and not getting a chance to prove that I could do it. And so, uh, but I think that's a great lesson we can all take from this is, is when you hit adversity, you learn the lessons, but make them drivers for you, you know, and, and, uh, and really show, you know, because the one thing, you know, because um, I, I do one talk called Dreams Really Do Come True. Yeah. And the reason I brought that up is because, you know, Jason had this dream, the playing a game, right? And it, his dream came true. And, and what, I, what I tell people, though, is, you know, we all have, I shouldn't say we all, but, you know, many of us have a big dream, right? Yeah. And you know, it's, a lot of times they don't come true, but some of our other dreams do come true. But what I do know is when you do the right things consistently, you do the work, you prepare, um, you're, you're a, the right person, you know, you keep growing mentally, physically, you know, and, and you, you, know, you, you live with the, the philosophy that you're going to do your best every single day. You know, you just build those foundational fundamentals. Then, you know, what, what I always go back to is I tell people it's like the law of averages. You know what? Uh, you know, we can use this as a, a simple analogy of the farmer. You know, a farmer goes out and plants his seed, but sometimes a hailstorm hits. And, you know, the seed doesn't grow like it normally does. But does that mean you don't do it again the next year? No, the odds are with you if you do the right things, you plant the seeds, 
more times than not, you're going to get a good crop, but not always. And that's the hard part, I think, for me. And I think it's a hard part for you know all people is that when they put in the hard work and the preparation and it doesn't work out exactly like, oh, it wasn't worth it. No, those are the building blocks. Those are the foundations. You know, and, and going back, now, did I want to lose six times in the sectional semifinals? Some of them were just devastating. <laughs> right? No, I didn't. Yeah. But you know what? When I, in reflecting now, that's what made winning those championships even sweeter because I knew all the blood, sweat, and tears that I had yeah. put in. Uh, and, and the other thing that um, I, I really, I, I, you know, I talked to a lot of leaders, and I, I always say this. Remember, you should learn from your, your setbacks, your losses. But you know what? You also got to learn from your wins. And, and we forget that sometimes. We always think, you know, okay, uh, you know, I, I something negative, you know, what can I learn from it? And yes, that's part of life. Yeah. But you know what? Also realize, okay, I had something very successful. What did I do right? So I can repeat that yeah. again. Yeah, Di- you know? dive in there a little bit, yeah. Yeah, oh, so. that is awesome. I, you know, I, so I, I just love the setbacks to comebacks, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've thought about my own life so many times and, and I think about, you know, there's not much I regret. There's not, I, I've got, I've made some awful choices mm-hmm. sometimes many times over and over and over again before I actually learned the lesson. You know, I was that kid that would stand in the kitchen with my mom and she'd say, don't touch the hot plate. It's hot. And I'd have to touch it and I'd go, yeah, it's hot. And then I'd go, let me try that again. Maybe with the other finger, it's cold. <laughs> no, it's still hot. Maybe the left hand. No, I, um, but, but I coach, I, I've looked back over my life and the only regrets that I have are the times that I quit. Yeah. That I that yeah. I quit and I stayed I stayed quit. I don't I never tried again. Right. But, but the things that I failed at and I tried again and I stepped I, I got back up and, and I tried again or I, I kept moving. That's what brought me to my ba- my biggest comebacks and my biggest victories. So right. so it's as if my trials, my tribulations, my darkest moments became the greatest springboards to my biggest victories in my life. And yeah. Yeah. Amen to what you're saying. Um, right. um, okay, so a couple more things. So sure. um, next play, I love this. I love this. It, there's a, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the Bible for a second. When I was really yeah. in the midst of my struggling, I had a, a dear, uh, his name is Richard Walker. He's a hero, a hero to me. And uh, we had a conversation and, and he looked me right in the eyes, put his hands on my shoulders. And, and I, I, I had beaten myself up so bad. And I thought I was, I was done. Nobody cared about me anymore. And he looked me in the eyes and he, he laughed and he said, a loving laugh. And he said, I know who you are. I know you got this. Don't worry. You got this. And then he said, he quoted a scripture from the Bible. Any man that puts his foot to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden I was kind of like, mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. Start to move forward. Don't look back. Don't dwell on that stuff. Let's go forward. And I love this idea of next play. So here comes J Mac. He shoots a a six foot air ball. And I, you know, if I did that, I'd be like, okay, coach, pull me out. Like I'm good. I'll come sit. (laughs) Have a shot. But he he shoots an air ball, comes back, throws another one up. It hits the backboard, hits the rim, goes off, gets another one behind the three point line, throws it up, swish. And next play. So, so, explain that to me a little bit more. Where did, where did that become a motto for your team? Why? Well, it's something, you know, as I started to, to really study, you know, uh, teams, you know, uh, basketball, and it's just something that would come up 
uh, you know, in amongst coaches and, and it's something that I really started to say, you know what, that makes a lot of sense because, uh, you know, it makes sense in life, you know, you got to be ready to move on to the next thing. But in, in the game of basketball, it's a fast sport. So, you, you know, yes, there are some stoppages of play, but for the most part, you know what, you, you um, miss a, a layup, uh, you're, uh, you know, the ball goes the other way, you know, there, there is, is, you know, and well, one of the things I, you know, along the same kind of things is I used to tell our guys um, something that I would take you out of a game immediately is what I call a double air in the same concept, just the opposite of next play. And an example of a double air is the guy that goes in and misses a wide open layup, which none of us want to do. Right. Yeah. It's embarrassing. But then, stands there and pouts and doesn't run back and hustle back and, and what what with sometimes kids would get mad but then they know because that's something we ingrained in practice and then i i would say next play yeah and they would go sit on the bench and i'd think about it and then i go over and talk to them and said do you know why i took you out and they didn't say because they missed the layup it's because i didn't run back didn't and hustle back yeah, yeah. so and, that, and, wow that's awesome and that was something that was really powerful because, you know, to the people in the stands, including their parents, they were yeah. pretty upset because it was like, you're, you're embarrassing Johnny because he missed the layup. Oh, no. It's because he missed the layup. We, so although I didn't want him to miss the layup, don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But it was because he didn't run back on defense. That's and, powerful. You know, and that's, uh, so those are the two concepts we spent a lot of time is, is double errors and next play. That's awesome. And, and the better that we could be at getting into the framework of next play, the better our teams were going to be. I mean, to set your, your team up to the point where it's like, hey, you're going to make a mistake. It happens. Like it happens to the other team. Every right. player on the floor makes mistakes. Don't worry when, it, when a mistake happens. Your coach isn't there breathing fire in your direction, laser right. beam eyes. I mean, unless it's like the last two seconds of the game, you lose the game, whatever. <laughs> but, but it's okay. The point right. is, is when you make a mistake, hustle like like done don't shame don't no one's going to come over and rub your shoulders right, right. just let's go let's move forward no nobody's perfect right yeah, and that's in, in in real life that's a that's a powerful thing to teach kids hey yeah. look it's okay to make mistakes I, there's room for failure but yeah. the problem is, is when you make when when you fail when you slip up when you fall when you make a mistake don't sit and wait for people to come rub your back. Oh, you got right. this. Everything else is going to be easy for you now because I got you. Right. That doesn't happen. Get up. No. Let's go. Let's, let's right. focus on what we need to do after that. Absolutely. That's really cool. Have you, yeah. written a, have you included that principle in your book yet? Because I know well, it's going to be, uh, you know, I, I have the, the first book called The Coach in a Miracle. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, we are working on a second book right now. I, I partner with a local college professor, and we're going to write a book for young and emerging leaders. And that we definitely, those are some of the ideas that we've brought up, you know, as, we, as we're putting the, the outline together for the book. So, yeah, we're excited about that. And, uh, uh, you know, the other thing that uh, I'd I, I like to share just really quickly is I think it's really important you know, as a coach that you're a mentor, but you also, as a coach, you need mentors. And I want to share one story with you. Please. Uh, going back, you know, when I was going through my struggles at Olympia, you know, where we were trying to turn that program around, and it was like my fourth year. And this was a coaching friend that had gotten into administration, but we had stayed friends. And he got into working with teams on getting them to try to be drug and alcohol free. So he would come in and do a little presentation to our parents and players. And so he did it. And, and his name was Rick. And I was telling him, I said, 
boy, that was awesome. And he goes, well, I got a challenge for you next year when I come back. And I said, what's that? He says, you know what? You're going to tell your team and the parents you're not going to drink alcohol during the season. And I was like, what? Uh, you know, because I, at that point in my career, I'd gotten a little bit more mature, but I was still, you know, like on a Friday night, we'd go out after the game in a local bar, and, uh, you know, and shoot the ball and talk about the game. And it wasn't like that I was drinking heavily, but I was still, you know, baseball season is, it's, it's a great run, but it's, it's a drain, you know, yeah. because you, you know, you're, you're playing Friday night, usually playing in the middle of the week. And then, you know, you still getting up on Saturdays to practice and, you know, Sunday's like your only day. And, and that's just a preparation day to get yeah. started again, you know? So, <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know what? I decided to do that. In my last 23 years in, in coaching, I would get up in front of it and I never drank an ounce of alcohol. And I'm not saying that because this is something that we all should do, but it's something to think about going yeah. back to being a model for your team and, you know, in your situation. And the funny thing is I've never would have guessed this, but in my last 23 years, we never had a losing season. Nope. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, There's something to that though. There's something about, you know, whatever it is, right? Those Those things that we kind of go to that take our, our t- attention or our energy or our focus away. And I've got things in my life, you know, sometimes there are things that are, are very, people are aware of um, like, you know, going out to the bar and grabbing a drink with your buddies after the game. That's something people can visually see, but there's skeletons in the closet for some of us. And we yeah. hold on to some of those crutches. And right. if we can, if we can commit to ourselves and, and focus on, you know, weeding those things out so that we can really focus on what's important to us. Yes. 23 years in a row. That's a, that's yeah. a, what a great example of, of, yeah. of really putting your mental focus, being mentally tough and, and how that affects, you know, your spirit and your physical body and, and just brings everything to where it needs to be. It's going to give you the right. best shot, right? Yes. Best shot. Yeah. So, so the last question I've got for you, coach. Sure. And I, and I could talk to you forever. I, I think there's, <laughs> there's a lot we could talk about, about uh, dreams of playing in the NBA. I, I was going to tell you, my, so my 40th birthday was in November. My, and I mentioned about two years ago to my wife at a, at a family dinner, I said, you know, it'd be real fun is on my 40th birthday, if we could have a press conference. And I, if, I, if I could just retire from my dreams of playing in the NBA. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I'm laughing and my family's kind of looking at me like, yeah, you're weird, man. And <laughs> my wife remembered that. And she actually, November 15th, even though we're coronavirus, she rented out a movie theater. So I thought we were going to watch a movie. Okay. And, and I walk into the theater. I came in a little bit later than anybody else because I had to use the restroom. I had no idea this was happening. So I turned the corner and all of a sudden everybody's cheering. And I'm like, I'm looking up and I'm like, oh, oh, it's my family and friends. My wife must have rented out the movie theater. Well, all of a sudden this guy grabs me and he was a guy that his name is Spencer Hall. And he used to write for ESPN and he lives in Utah and he grabbed me. He goes, no, we have some questions for you. And there was a pulpit there. And my wife wife took the Nike sign and did it upside down. And it's, and then underneath it said, just couldn't do it. (laughs) Yes. So I had, I stood at the, I stood at the pulpit and I, I answered questions as if I lived this dream of playing in the NBA. Oh my God. And, and my, my wife got a hold of, there's two jazz players. So Epi, Epi Udo, George Niang, and then an old player, Mark Eaton, and then yep. um, one of our I friends. Know Mark Eaton. Yeah, right. the speaker. Amazing, yeah. and 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 then um, Burgess Owens. You've probably, you may have you've heard the name New York, right? So he, yeah. and our friend is his daughter, 
And so they all made videos and she put them all together. And, and it was so funny to watch this. Mark Eaton, was, I think Mark Eaton said, wow, Mike, that is, I, hats off to you. That is very um, tenacious of you to hold on to a dream for that long, right? So <laughs> it kind of like ribbing me as, as we were laughing about it. But yeah. um, awesome. so we could have some fun with that coach. So one of these yeah. days I'll come out to New York or you'll come out here and ski in, in Utah. Yeah. We'll you up. So, so last question for you. Um, sure. This is, you, you know what my podcast, um, re- what I really try and pull out of people is they share their amazing stories. And gosh, there's yeah. so much here. So much here. And thank you so much for sharing so much. Pleasure. If people check out his book, right? It's called The Coach and a Miracle. Coach and a Miracle. My website is coachjimjohnson.com. And I'm on, uh, you know, uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. So I love to connect. Uh, we do have a free newsletter and a free weekly blog. And uh, you know, I, I do a virtual presentations now. So if I can help anybody in any way, uh, I'd love to do that. And, and, you know, and we have our book on discount right now. So if you want to get it for, you know, a holiday gift or even a new year's gift, uh, you know, we, it's, it's there. And I, uh, if you go through my website, you can order it and I'll sign it. And, there you, know, you go as well. So I yeah. love it. I love it. The signature. Um, if you want to be inspired, definitely check him out. I, I've loved, I've loved following you on LinkedIn uh, the past few oh, years. Thank you. Um, so the question I have for you, there, there's a couple of really different dark moments of your life. You had one as a coach um, mm-hmm. in that, in that season with JMAC where it went polar opposites, right? Right. And you also had one in your, as, as you got cut from the team and then right kind of around that same time frame when, when as a coach, it, it just wasn't really working out. A young, a, a young newlywed, um, a new kid in the family, all that stuff. And in those darkest moments, um, what's the gift that you received that that really has blessed your life since being in that spot? Yeah, you know, I, I, the the gift I can see it by this is I think uh, when you can learn to handle adversity to make you stronger. And realize that um, that the two things that I I really because I'm really big into servant leadership, and to me the servant leadership is the ability to flip the pyramid. So you're you're the servant. You're you're helping your team grow and and develop and and develop them into being leaders. And so the the thing that I really, you know, I I mentioned a little bit, but, you know, when I developed my own personal mission statement, which is to be an outstanding role model that makes a positive difference in the world by helping others make their dreams come true, what I would encourage the listeners is two things. One is, I think you need to know who you are. And I think by uh, discovering your personal mission and writing it down, because then you, you have a fundamental base of what you're living in your life. And then the second thing is, is, uh, you know what, uh, and I'll, I'll share this as a story, is that, you know, when J-Mac had his big game, uh, my dream was I wanted to coach a Section 5 champion. That was, to me, that was what I was all about. We were going to get that done. And, the, and then what was interesting for me was that when Jason had that night, and then, you know, three weeks later, we win our first sectional championship, 
the really the neat thing is when people who were interviewing Jason after that season, they'd ask him, what was the best thing about your season? Of course, they were thinking he's going to say his game. And he'd say, no, we're winning, winning the Section 5 championship. Well, I was just the opposite. People would say, what was the best thing about your career? And I said, you know what? I was fortunate to be part of uh, six Section 5 championships at the end of my career, and but nothing has ever touched my heart and soul uh, like Jason's night because to me that was the essence of – teamwork servant leadership and and i i, I always finish uh, my talks by saying that you know what if you want to make your dreams come true the best way to do that is to help others make their dreams come true oh i love that i love it if you want to make your dreams come true help others by making their dreams come true flip the pyramid upside down yeah. coach i don't know if you know this but utah is like the hub for mlms in the world so we understand pyramids right <laughs> yes, flip, the pyramid. yes. You think about that flipping that upside down in my brain i'm going wow that's like a that's amazing right i mean serve other people help them make their dreams come true that's beautiful and that's what became the most magical moment of your of your coaching career and yeah. and thank you you're awesome coach thanks so much for sharing so much with me and not just once, but twice. And uh, I just, I have the utmost respect for you. And Thank you. I'm just grateful to be your friend. You know, I'm, I'm going to consider myself your friend because you're my friend. So how about that? No, I, I'm really looking forward to growing our relationship. And yeah. I know we're going to get through this pandemic and we're going to actually meet in person. Uh, you know, I've been out to Utah a few times. And I got a chance to speak to Franklin Covey once. Yeah. And, uh, it's a beautiful place. And so I, I'm looking forward to to getting through this and getting out there again. And, uh, you know, we're going to have, we're going to break bread together someday. Yeah. Amen to that, sir. And I know you play tennis. I'm going to introduce you to pickleball. How about that? Okay. Dad, let's do it. Let's for sure. So, thank, you. Good. thank you so much. You're awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to come towards delight the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com. Come towards delight.